Happy Easter Chapel Hill. It is so great to be with you this morning. I know this isn't necessarily how we expected to be celebrating Easter this year, but we are going to celebrate it together regardless. And if you're joining us live 10 a.m. Pacific on Easter Sunday, we would love you to use the live chat on whatever platform you're viewing this. Please feel free to share words of encouragement. In fact, get on there right now and just type in Happy Easter just to let us know that you are here. In the description of this video, you're going to find a few, a few things that you're going to want to pay attention to. There's a weekly check-in, there's a link to give, there's some discussion questions for after the service. So take a look at that. And as we start our service, we're going to turn our attention back to that Friday that we as Christians refer to as Good Friday. That moment when Jesus was raised up high upon a cross and gave his life for us. Let's turn our hearts back to that day together. Dead in my sin, 
happy Easter, everyone. We are so glad that you are joining us on this day to celebrate the risen Christ. And if you're not already on your feet, we'd like to invite you to do so wherever you are, because we are going to worship and praise our God and thank Him for all that He did on that day. And throughout the centuries, Christians have have greeted one another on that Easter day with the the same words. And we're going to do that this morning. Even though we're not gathered together in one building, we are going to say these words as the church united all around the world. And it's pretty simple. Here's how it goes. I'm going to say Christ is risen, and you're going to say He is risen indeed. All right, let's do it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's do this. Let's sing. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. Oh, come on, let's sing. I was breathing the
ourselves now in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone who agreed said amen we all explore every day in small ways and big we find ourselves reinvent ourselves define ourselves publish our lives we want to squeeze all the life out of life and hit pause on moments we wish could last for all our searching it's rare to find time to think and talk about the big questions of life. About faith and reason and God and meaning. But exploring is good. We're built for it. I'm Megan. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad to welcome you to worship with us this Easter morning. 
I wanna draw your attention to the description that's below these videos. So if you're looking at this on your TV, go ahead and pull out a smartphone and iPad so that you can follow along with me. The links in the description first will lead you to the weekly check-in. We would love to know who you are and how you are, how we can be praying for you, if there's any way that you need to be served in this season, or if there's any way you want to help others. All of that will be captured in that weekly check-in, and we would love for you to fill that out for us. And then you'll find some discussion questions that would be great to talk about after the service, especially within a virtual life group. We have a link to our life groups. It'll link you to a map, and you can find a neighbor all the way from Fox Island to Port Orchard and everywhere in between. So we would love for you to join us online after the service. If you have kids with you, we'd love to help you talk about Easter with them. There's a kids channel with uh, great resources from preschool age all the way up to students. And finally, we wanna make sure that you have the opportunity to do Alpha with us. So we're letting you know a little bit in advance that we are beginning Alpha on April 21st. You already got to watch a video about that, but we love the Alpha course because we get to talk about life's biggest questions. Where else do you get to talk about religion and politics, right? Except in the really great environment of Alpha. We're gonna be meeting online as a large group and then breaking up into small groups to talk about life, meaning, purpose, and faith. What's really fun to me is that every other Alpha course, I had to think about who could drive to Gig Harbor for an evening class. Not anymore. You get to think about anyone in, in your life globally who you want to talk about the biggest questions of life with. And so here's your best Alpha invitation. You say, hey, would you want to come and try the Alpha course with me? And then register online because we need to get you the private Zoom link. Normally you can just walk in the doors of Alpha. We want to welcome anyone and everyone to come and try Alpha. This time we need to do that through a registered link. So please click and let us know if you're going to come and join us for Alpha online. Let me introduce to you Larry, uh, both my husband and another pastor here. Here's Larry. Thanks, Megan. Every time we worship, we include a time of giving. The reason why is because especially on Easter, we recognize that God is generous and we want to be generous people too. In fact, when we plan our church budget, we want to model generosity and 10% of our budget goes out the door to local organizations and mission partners all around the world. And as we have been in contact with these local organizations in particular, we have seen a lot of need, especially right now. Some of these organizations include Coffee Oasis, Northwest Furniture Bank, Fish Food Bank, and the Rescue Mission. Just this last week, Coffee Oasis was in touch with some of our members from Gig Harbor and Port Orchard, and they helped to provide meals to some of our, uh, the homeless teenagers that are in our communities. Coffee Oasis is in a hard spot right now because they've had to shut down their coffee shops, which is where they get the revenue to pay for those meals for kids who need them. And the rescue mission, right now they are moving from cafeteria-style meals to takeout-style meals in order to reduce the uh, risk of exposure. And of course, that costs a lot more money as well. And so these organizations need our help. You have been incredibly generous to Chapel Hill, and I know you will be this Easter as well. I want you to consider, on top of your gift to Chapel Hill, whether God is calling you to be generous to these local organizations too. You can find the links to Chapel Hill's giving and to these organizations giving in the description. 
In addition to those links, you can consider texting as a way to give to Chapel Hill. Just text the number 77977, and that'll be a way to give. You can write a check and mail that to Chapel Hill. The link, uh, the address is in the description. Or you can even come by the building. There's a drop box by door D that you can drop your gift into. We are going to enter a time of prayer as we worship by giving. So join with me and pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a generous God. We reflect in awe on how you gave of your very life through your son Jesus. And Lord, we must respond. We have to respond when we see your giving, your generosity. So this Easter, Lord, we pray in particular for those organizations that need that generosity, that we, we pray for the rescue mission and the, and the increasing needs uh, of our community for food. Um, we pray for Coffee Oasis as they've closed down their stores, that you would still bring in the revenue, that you would still bring in what these homeless teenagers need, and more, Lord, for Fish Food Bank, for Northwest Furniture Bank, and their needs as well. Lord, you are a God who provides. You have provided for us. And so we ask that you provide for our neighbors, for those who need it the most through these organizations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
through all of my failures and pride. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. On a hill you created the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. Oh, and as you speak, Where you lost your life so I can find you If you left the grave behind you so I I can see the heart and everything you've done
Good morning, Chapel Hill. Listen, at some point, you've just got to laugh, right? We have got to keep our sense of humor, especially at a time like this. I'm Pastor Mark, and I'm so glad that even, all, even though all of us are staying inside, staying inside, that you have joined us for the celebration of the day that changed forever. It was a day that started in despair, but ended in triumph. And we're talking, of course, about the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So whether you are with us all of the time or you are brand new to our church, I'm so glad that you could join us for this virtual Easter celebration. Who would have thunk it for the first time ever? All of us gathered at one time to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But I promise you, someday all of this is going to end. This craziness is going to come to a stop and we will return to normal. We will be back together. Someday our president is going to tell us, I've got good news. The vaccine works. The virus is defeated. You can leave your homes. You can go back to work. You can go back to your restaurants. You can go back to church. It is perfectly safe. That day is coming, and it'll be a great day, won't it? But imagine this with me for a moment. What if that great day does come, and yet we were to hear that thousands of people had chosen to remain inside hunkered down, locked behind their doors, avoiding people, even though they had received this incredible good news. Who would believe it? But the fact is, that is exactly the scenario of the very first Easter. I want to tell you about that story. You've heard it before, of course. Mary Magdalene and the other women came to the tomb of Jesus early that Sunday morning. They discovered, though, that the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. And angels in bedazzling garments said, He is alive. He is not dead anymore. He is risen. Mary rushed off to the place where the rest of the disciples were hiding. And Peter and John came running back to the tomb to see it with their own eyes. They stooped down and peered inside. We are told by John that when he saw the empty tomb, he believed. And so they rushed back home. They went back to be with the rest of the disciples and to share the news. And you would think that in that moment, with that experience, that everyone would embrace that, that they would be emboldened, they would be excited, they would be cheered with the idea that Jesus had done what he said he would do, and that is be raised up from the dead. That's what you would think. But that's not at all what happened. I want to share with you the story of that first Easter night. And you're going to find it in John chapter 20, beginning verse 19, if you would like to read along. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the word of the Lord. Let's join in prayer. Father, would you speak to us now through this powerful word, this life-changing, history-changing story. Speak to it in our hearts, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So Easter Sunday night, all of the disciples were gathered together. And what is the very first detail that John shares with us when he tells us about that gathering? He says, the doors were locked. Why were the doors locked? Because they were afraid of the religious leaders who had orchestrated the death of Jesus. They were afraid for their own lives, too. And you might say, wait a second. Jesus isn't dead anymore. He is alive. Mary saw him. Peter and John saw the empty tomb. John believed, we are told, isn't, if Jesus is powerful enough to defeat death, then what would any of his disciples have to fear from anyone, anything? What would they have to fear? That's what you'd think. But they were terrified. They were locked in. They were hunkered down. They were huddled up. They were hiding out. And it, it was to those terrified, hunkered down disciples that the Lord Jesus appeared. In the Greek, it says that, that when he showed up, they were ecstatic. The word says glad in, in your reading, but it's a horrible translation. They were ecstatic. They were beside themselves with joy to see that Jesus really was alive, just as he had promised. Even death could not keep Jesus down. What an amazing master. What an amazing savior. And surely these men were going to walk out of that room that night emboldened and empowered and ready to spread the good news of the gospel. Right? Not right. Listen to verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So it's only one week later. One week later, that next Sunday night, and they are gathered again, presumably, in the same room. What is the first detail that we are told about that second gathering? They are behind locked doors. Again. Why? Because they are terrified again they are hunkered down again and you say come on we can understand why they would be terrified on that first Sunday night none of the apostles actually had seen Jesus in the flesh only Mary had seen him and honestly in those days the testimony of a woman wasn't taken very seriously but then Jesus showed up himself in the flesh. In fact, he showed them his flesh, his hands and his side to convince them that he really was alive. And remember, we are told that they were ecstatic. They were beside themselves. Surely that experience would have taken away their fear and emboldened them to believe in Jesus. But one week later, there they are, still behind locked doors, still hunkered down, still terrified, how is that possible to have such faith in Jesus on one hand and such fear at the same time? Well, you tell me, Chapel Hill. How is that possible? Aren't all of us living in that precise tension even now? We are behind locked doors. We are hunkered down. We are avoiding others. We are fearful. Some of us more fearful than others. And yet, we say we believe in Jesus. We say that we believe that he is in control. We say that we believe everything is going to work out all right in the end. And so we are torn in tension between faith in Jesus and this crushing fear. So what can we do then to boost our faith and crush that fear? Over these last few weeks, 
Every morning I've been drinking a packet of emergency. Raise your hand if you have drunk emergency. You know what it is. It's that delightful combination of vitamins that mixes together in this fizzy glass of orange goodness. It is great. And Dr. Oz tells me that a, a shot of vitamin C is a good way to boost my immune system. I already have an immune system, but he says you want to boost it. You want to make it stronger. And so I'm all in for that. And that's what I want to do on this Easter Sunday morning. I want to boost your faith. I want to boost your hope. I want to build them up and bolster them so in the days to come and the weeks to come and perhaps in the months to come, if that's what happens, that your faith will continue to rise above your fear. In defiant hope, there are three things that Jesus offered to his disciples that night, three gifts that he offered to them. And they're the same three gifts that he offers to his disciples today, scattered as we are across this region, that I think will boost our hope, will boost our faith. And here they are. Jesus offers his presence, his peace, and his power. First of all, Jesus offers his presence. He shows up. And he doesn't just show up once. He shows up twice the next week. Jesus joins right in to their isolation. When you think about it, this is so kind of the Lord. It's so gracious of him. He, he doesn't say, listen, suck it up, you weenies. Crawl out of your hole. I'm going to be at the temple tomorrow at 9 a.m. If you want to see me, then man up and show up. He doesn't say that at all. He comes to them right there in their fear and in their isolation. As a matter of fact, they couldn't have stopped them even if they wanted to stop him. We are told that, he, that they, even the, the doors were locked. Somehow he just miraculously passes right through the doors. Here's something that's cool too. Not only does Jesus show up, the Greek actually says that he stood right in the middle of them. That's what the Greek phrase says. He stood right in the middle of them. Remember that TV show, Malcolm in the Middle? We might entitle this story, Jesus in the Middle. Locked doors don't keep Jesus out. Quarantines don't keep Jesus out. A restriction on large gatherings doesn't keep Jesus out. Our fear and our doubts and our anxieties, even they don't keep Jesus out. He comes to us even in our isolation. He moves towards us. He, he says, listen, I am willing to do anything I can to help you believe in me, to help you have faith in me, to help you trust in me. And I want you to know that nothing, no virus, no lockdown, no social distancing, no stock market swoon is going to keep me from coming to you. And the real key to us finding hope in that gift is that little thing I told you about earlier. It's not just allowing Jesus in to our story, but it's inviting him right into the middle of our story, right in the middle of your life, right in the middle of your family right in the middle of your fears, right in the middle of your retirement fund, right in the middle of your work or lack of work, right in the middle of your setbacks and your conversations. We're not going to keep him anymore out on the edges somewhere. We're not going to keep him on the periphery. We're not going to shunt him off to, to that little religious corner that he ordinarily occupies in our life. No more. No time for half measures. We're going to say, Jesus, come in and come right into the center of my life because I need you. Jesus offers his presence. Right now, wherever you are, 
even if you are by yourself, you're not by yourself, in fact. Because Jesus is right there with you. He promised he would never leave us. He promised he would never forsake us. And so the first great gift that Jesus offers to those of us who are hunkered down is his presence. The second gift he offers is his peace. In both of these encounters, both Easter night and a week later, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth were the same words. Peace be unto you. Shalom. Shalom alechem. Why don't you say that with me? Shalom alechem. In fact, that, that first night when they were kind of freaking out about this appearance of Jesus who they thought was dead, he says it twice. He says, shalom, shalom. Chill out, guys. Peace. Peace be with you. Do you know what the most frequent command in the Bible is? Fear not. It appears more than 80 times throughout all of the scriptures. Every time an angel shows up, those are his opening words. Remember Bethlehem, the the skies over Bethlehem on Christmas Eve? The angel showed up. What's the first thing they say? Fear not. Of course, it is a total waste of angelic breath. They're always terrified anyhow. But honestly, fear not was kind of the best that the Bible had to offer until Jesus came along. Jesus doesn't just tell us, don't be afraid. Jesus gives us peace. Jesus gives us his peace. And only Jesus can do that. The Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. Jesus promised, my peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. Jesus is the giver of peace. And here's something that's important for us to understand. You can have fear and peace at the same time. Fear is the normal response to frightening things. And undoubtedly, we live in frightening times. But anxiety, anxiety is fear out of control. Fear on steroids, fear that has gone off of the rails. Anxiety turns our fear into a kind of prayer, a kind of meditation where we think about and worry about and stew about and fret about and mull everything that frightens us to the point that we don't have any room left in our soul for peace. When Jesus says, peace be with you, he's not offering the power of positive thinking or the power of positive speaking, Jesus is pronouncing a blessing of shalom upon us that only he can do. He is infusing us with his peace. He is injecting us with his peace. He is saying, I know you are afraid, but my peace is greater than your crisis. I am here right in the middle of it with you, and you can count on me to be your peace. I want you to trust that. I want you to believe that. I want you to live that. You know what I think we ought to do for as long as this coronavirus thing continues? I think we ought to stop greeting each other by saying, hey, how you doing, or see you later. Instead, I think we ought to greet each other with the Christ pronouncement of peace. Shalom. We ought to greet each other with shalom. Shalom alechem. In fact, again, why don't you turn to each other right now and just say that to each other. Shalom alechem. I'll give you a moment. That's going to be the blessing that we speak into this situation, the blessing that Christ has given to us, the peace of Christ be with you. So Jesus comes and he offers us his presence and he offers us his peace. And then finally, he offers us his power. 
And he does so in such an odd way. Did you see that? As he was standing there, and remember the Greek tells us that he was standing right in the middle of them, we are told that Jesus did this. It says that he breathed on them. And if he breathed on all of them, he had to do that. He breathed on them and he said the words, receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to remember, Holy Spirit is, is not just some positive force for good. It's not like the force in Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is God without flesh on. And Jesus promised us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So when he went back to heaven to be with his Father, this is how he kept his word. He gave his Spirit to us. The, the living Spirit of Christ who lives in us, empowers us, strengthens us, forgives us, it delivers us from whatever vexes us. Jesus breathed on them and said, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. I can't help but wonder, though, how would that go over today? If I were to do this in a crowd, they would freak out, right? Cindy and I have been doing a lot of walking lately, and we were walking downtown, and and it's mostly been pretty pleasant. You see people coming in the other direction, and, and of course we all scoot. One of us goes out into the street, and, but we nod and we smile and we greet each other and we just carry on. It's kind of fun, part of the fun. But the other day, I was approached by a woman, and the minute she got close to us, she kind of dashed out into the street. She pulled up her shirt to cover her nose, and she refused to look at us. I thought that any moment she was going to pull out a, a crucifix from her purse and say, Be gone, spawn of Satan, be gone! It felt kind of crazy. I almost wanted to go at her. All of us are convinced of the power of that invisible virus that is born in the breath of persons around us. The power of sickness and death is why we stay apart. It's why we are wearing masks. I wonder, do we have that same faith in the invisible, life-giving breath of the Spirit of God? Do we believe that Jesus wants to breathe His Spirit upon us, even this day, to fill us with His power and His gifts and His courage and His contagious hope? And did you notice that when Jesus breathed on them, He said these words, receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, they, they needed to receive that gift that He was offering the other day, while it was dark, I went into the kitchen to pour a mug of coffee in, in this mug. And you will notice that this mug looks exactly the same, no matter which end is up. And because it was dark, I didn't notice that I had it upside down until I started to pour. It wouldn't matter how much I poured into that mug, that mug was not ready to receive what I wanted to give. The greatest gift that the Holy Spirit gives to those of us who are hunkered down is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The greatest gift of Himself, of Him living within us. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, could I just tell you that's, that, that is what it means to be a Christian. Jesus says, I want you to fill you with my Spirit. I want to chase out your fear and your sin and your shame and, and all of the things that have caused you to hunker down in your life. And I want to replace that with my life-giving, hope-giving, guidance-giving Holy Spirit. You know, you may have joined this, this broadcast today as kind of a polite, annual, religious spectator. 
And we're, we're glad that you are here. But could it be that as you've listened to this day, to the worship and to the, the prayers and to this message, could it be that the Spirit is stirring something in you, saying, I need that. I'm afraid of what is around me right now. I must have something more. I cannot face this present moment without greater power. Maybe this is the moment that you would choose to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, of course, there are Christians who are listening, but who are still living in fear and doubt and anxiety and despair. To you, I would say, maybe you just need to turn your cup over. Maybe you need a, a refill. This day, when Christ triumphed over the worst that the world had to offer, perhaps this day could be the day for you when you receive the gift of the Spirit anew, a gift that empowers, emboldens, encourages you in hope and faith and power. What better way to celebrate Easter than for all of us, wherever we are, from Olala to Okinawa, for all of us to receive the gracious gift of the Spirit of Jesus. So I want to invite us to a time of prayer. I want us to invite that very gift into our lives this moment. So could I ask you please to close your eyes and would you just turn your hands upward as if you're receiving a gift. And I invite you to join me in this prayer. First of all, if, if you're the one who would say, I don't think I've ever really believed or received Jesus. But you're sitting there hunkered down in a state of fear and concern. You feel like your life is out of control and, and you wonder if it'll ever be upside up, right side up again. You, you realize that you do not have the, the resources, you do not have the courage, you don't have the wisdom to deal with this. You need something more. And Jesus is just the, the ticket. It could be that right now you're saying, I need what pastor's talking about. And so I would invite you to invite Jesus to come into your life right now. Invite His Holy Spirit to come in and to chase out all that is broken and dark and shameful and fearful. To chase it out right now. Say, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need you. I want to follow you. If you invite Him to do that, the Spirit will say yes to you right now. Make that prayer. Make that invitation. And walk away from this Easter service a follower of the risen Christ. And then there are many others who, you love Jesus, you are a follower of Christ, but the truth is you are living in fear. And so right now I want to invite you to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them. I won't do that. I can't do that. Christ wants to do that in this moment, to breathe on you and to invite you to receive His Holy Spirit. So, would you receive it? Would you turn that cup the right way? Are you willing in this moment to admit that you are leaking, you are empty, and you need more? Then this is your moment to say, Jesus, I receive your gift. Would you say, come Holy Spirit? Say, come Holy Spirit. Say it again. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me, encourage me. Say it again. Come, Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living Christ, we believe that when that invitation comes, you can't wait. 
that you come where you are invited. And so we ask that all across this region and around the world, these who have opened their hands, opened their hearts, opened their lives to you will receive your great gift of yourself. And Lord Jesus, for those who have prayed for the first time, we thank you for life. We thank you for resurrection. We thank you that they are now people of the empty tomb as well. Meet them, Jesus. Change them. Transform them forever. For we ask all of this in the name of the risen Christ that all of God's people said, Amen. shines for all to see. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise of defeat the resurrected king 
is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of the The resurrected King is resurrecting so glad that you could worship with us today and I'll, I'll bet you're glad you were here too. You know, I, I want to offer some closing words. Jesus actually offered one more gift to his disciples that night. We already talked about his presence and his peace and his power but Jesus also offered them his purpose. I wonder if you saw that. He said, as the Father sends me so I send you. 
And when you think about that, it's a little hard for, to comprehend. I mean, there were those disciples hunkered down and frightening and frightened, and you're saying, really, I'm going to go out on mission in the same way that Jesus goes up on mission? It doesn't seem possible. And yet it, within a few weeks, that same Holy Spirit that they got a taste of that night fell on them in such a spectacular way that 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus in one moment. And that was the launch of the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. One of the things that could be the greatest encouragement to you as you are hunkered down right now is to realize that even in that hunkered down, behind locked doors state, you are still on mission with Jesus. You've got the technology. You've got the friends. You've got the phone. You can call people. You can link people up. You can pray for people. You can reach out to them in ways that you cannot even imagine. One of the things that I have discovered in this season, I see more and more Chapel Hill people becoming more and more courageous about sharing their faith. I think all of us have come to a point where we say, listen, this is a life and death deal. No more silliness. No more being shy or coy about this. What we have to offer is the greatest gift of all, the gift of life. Maybe it's time for you to be empowered by the gift of that spirit and to realize that even in your hunkered down state, you are still on mission with Jesus. I am so glad that you joined us today. I hope you'll come back, especially if you're visiting with us. Next week, we kick off a new series called Elevate Others. It seems to us that in a time such as this, we need to learn new ways to fulfill the call of Jesus, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So I hope you'll come and be a part of that. Now, we're going to close this service with the, uh, the, the wonderful proclamation of Easter that Christians have shared down through the millennia. It goes like this, Christ is risen, and the response is, He is risen indeed. So, would you say that with me? Christ is risen, He is risen indeed. Christ is risen he is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Raise your hands up and receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his perfect peace both now and forevermore in the name of the Father and of the risen Son and of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this Easter service here at Chapel Hill. And if you prayed to receive Jesus into your life for the very first time, we would love to connect with you. In the description, you will find a link for a virtual prayer chapel. And if you click on that link, you'll be able to connect with someone who would love to pray with you right now regarding the decision that you have made. And don't forget to fill in, for those of you who are regulars, the weekly check-in. Don't forget that link to give and the discussion questions for the life groups. And one final thing, if you love to sing hymns, then come join us at 6.30 p.m. tonight on Facebook, where Gunnar Tesdol, our director of worship, will be leading us in a hymn sing. Happy Easter and have a wonderful day.